Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. Kornheiser's resting his dusty bones today, so you know what that means. Fill in Frank, baby. Yeah, there we go. The playoff edition. Party time. Finals edition of Fill in Frank. Ready? Hope it doesn't mess up my hair. That's, <laughs> that's not something that usually comes out of that chair. <laughs> mess up my hair. That's not a sentence we hear very often. Welcome to PTI. Kornheiser clearly couldn't care less about you. So I'm pleased to be joined by our great friend from The Athletic, Frank Isola. It's a Friday. More confetti. Nice. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly why you're in a studio and not here in California. Nonetheless, let's start with the NBA Finals. Frank, as you know, we're just hours away from Game 4 tipping off with the Warriors desperately needing a win. To that end... They will have Klay Thompson after a Game 3 absence, but will not have Kevin Durant, who's going to miss his ninth straight game. Let's not slow our roll with the small stuff, Frank. Let's get right to it. Who's going to win tonight's game, and is the winner a lock to take the series? Well, first of all, the Warriors have to win this game, and I think they will. When you think about the championship medal of this team, go back to that game six that they won in Houston. They've won big games before when they needed to. And, Michael, you know it. You'll be in that arena tonight with Klay Thompson back. It's not just about offense. It's going to be about the defensive end of the court because that's where they got completely exploited the other night. They scored 109 points. They scored 109 points in game two and won the game. To me, it's going to be about defense. And if Clay Thompson can guard his man on one end of the court, I think the Warriors will find a way to win this game and make game five important. Frank, I agree with everything you just said just now. And that, of course, is the micro level of this and getting right back to Clay Thompson and his presence defensively, which, you know, more people pay attention to offense. They don't concentrate as much on, on, on Clay and how good a defender he is. And you're right about that. But I'm going to go big picture a little bit. And I was talking to a friend of both of ours, Eddie Johnson, who played yep. about, what, 18 years in the NBA. And I've known him since our days as teenagers in Chicago or of him. And Eddie was saying last night that. At some point, teams are just so battered and can be. There's a reason why nobody has done this fourth championship in five-year thing. And the reason has nothing to do with Golden State's incredible skill or will, but just the physical punishment, the, the, the toll it exacts on you over a period of years with all yep. these playoff games on top of the regular season games. And he was saying, I just wonder now if they are so beaten down that it's difficult to win. And Toronto looks fresh and alive and determined as well. And, you know, if, Frank, that, that affects the way I think about this with a guy like Eddie Johnson thinking that deeply about it, knowing the physical toll it exacts. You know, Michael, I thought all year long that Toronto could get to the finals. I never believed they really could win until game three. And I understand Clay Thompson didn't play, Kevin Durant didn't play. But just the confidence of that team. There's now belief, I believe, yeah, among that team is. that they could win. Danny Green and Kyle Lowry go 11 of 19 on threes. Marcus Soule scored 17 points. Look at the way Fred Van Fleet is playing. And then Serge Ibaka looked like the Serge Ibaka from Oklahoma City, blocking shots all over the place. Finally, they look like they actually believe that they can win this. Don't you agree? Frank, you've been in that locker room. You know They do believe it. And they know defensively, look, they, they, that Steph Curry goes for 47 doesn't mean they aren't good, playing good defense. He went for 47, and Golden State still lost that game. So, yes, it's going to have to be a little different tonight. Also having to guard Klay Thompson. But they do believe yep. it. And I think the winner tonight probably does win this series, though not absolutely. But there's certainly an advantage that Toronto already has. And remember, right now, 30 days since Kevin Durant 
got injured. He's been out That's 30 days. It's amazing. All right. Warriors minority owner Mark Stevens has apologized for shoving Toronto's Kyle Lowry from his expensive courtside seat in game three. This comes the day after the NBA suspended Stevens from attending any league activities. That includes games for one year and fined him $500,000. Michael, many have suggested that the punishment was not severe enough. Do you agree? Well, Frank, there's going to be more punishment, I think. Yes. And you, there's the legislated punishment, the sort of on-the-record punishment, and then there's what's really going to happen. And just sort of being here uh, in the Bay Area, specifically in San Francisco and Oakland last night, and, and, and listening to people in this community, some in media, and more importantly, actually, some in business, there are enough billionaires here to take his place a hundred times over and probably 50 of them put calls in to people they already know who are investors or owners of the Warriors last night and today. So I could very much see, and this is a storyline here already, people believing that the, the other owners will simply force him out and say, you know, you got to sell. We're not going to have this, not in this community where that sort of thing is just not tolerated. So I think there's going to be a far greater punishment ultimately, Frank. And, you know, it's funny, too, Michael, if they force him to sell his shares, he's going to make a fortune on the deal. Yeah. But, here, but here it is, the public embarrassment of it, though. Now everyone knows who Mark Stevens is for all the wrong reasons. And we know all about the way fans are supposed to conduct themselves at games. And there's been a lot of conversations about that this year. Once it came out that this guy is a minority owner in the team and to behave that way, heat of the moment, reaction, you cannot be putting your hands on any player. I think, the pun- I think the punishment, if he ends up not selling his shares, I think it's fair. I think one year, $500,000, you want to get into how much money he makes. It's like pocket change for him. I understand all that. But you, you combine that, a year suspension, the fine, plus just the embarrassment. Nobody knew who this guy was before he did this. Now everyone knows he's the guy that pushed Kyle Lowry. That's got to be something as well. There's going to be plenty of embarrassment here, Frank. There already is. And you're right about that. I thought two years. I suggested yesterday. I would still stay with two years. Just the humiliation of not being able to get into that new building. Yeah, and enjoy right. it and absorb it and perhaps strike other deals and make more money. Tony suggested yesterday right off the bat that he would be forced perhaps to sell his shares. Again, that force now seems not, not that it would need to I be with the NBA, but with the other owners, I think it, and, it and, may and you said it well too happen. about going into the new building. He's the kind of owner that loves that. He wants the courtside seat. He wants yeah. to harass the players. You can do that. You know what? You just can't touch Frank, him. in a lot of other cities, this might, people might let it slide. In San Francisco, no. <laughs> in greater, the greater Bay Area community, Especially on that stage in the NBA Finals. That's right. Particularly. Made it bigger. The other 28 teams in the NBA are preparing to spring into action on the draft, trade, and free agency fronts. Which leads me to the Brooklyn Nets yesterday trading Alan Crabb, his $18.5 million salary, and two first-round draft picks to Atlanta, all to clear cap space to sign a free agent or two, including presumably Kyrie Irving. Frank, this is pretty ambitious stuff. Do you expect the Nets will ultimately fulfill their ambitions? Sean Marks, their general manager, is a pretty smart guy. Sean Marks is doing all this without knowing that he might be getting one of these guys. I have to believe that he knows something. The Nets have waited all this time to finally have their, a first-round pick of their own, and now they're already trading it away. Something's up, and I'll tell you this, Michael. I live two towns over from Kyrie Irving. In the last week, I've had more people come up to me and tell me, I saw Kyrie Irving. I saw, I said, there's more Kyrie Irving sightings. He's probably over, in your New driveway and you missed him. And people are convinced that he's coming to the Brooklyn Nets. Remember this, though. 
Lakers have money, Clippers have money, the Nets have money to get two. And when the Knicks traded Chris Eprzingis, they did that believing they can get two. Maybe those two will be Kevin Durant and Kemba Walker. But from all indications, it looks like Kyrie Irving is going to the Brooklyn Nets. Well, from coast to coast, you there, where he's right under your nose, apparently, and all the way out here. I mean, that's what we're hearing. That's what current players, former players, executives, you know, agents, that's what everybody's talking about, as you know. Um, I would just say this. If we're talking about the Nets fulfilling their ambitions, and Sean Marks, I I really think, seems to have a handle on what it is he's trying to do. But I'm going to say this. They better have another guy with Kyrie who's going to be a leader, Okay, and and that's an an important thing. I don't think Kyrie Irving can be the number one player, can't be one. It could be one B, if you will. He's proven that. And and there's nothing about what he's done in his time in the NBA where he can be seen as a leader. And he wasn't in college basketball long enough, about 11 games, to show he could lead at any level that matters. So there's got to be another guy the Brooklyn Nets feel they have on the hook in order to fulfill these ambitions, in my opinion. Well, they're going to shoot for the stars, either Kevin Durant or Kawhi to join Kyrie Irving. Maybe it'll be somebody like Tobias Harris. But follow the bouncing ball, Michael. Kyrie Irving ended up in Boston because the Celtics acquired all those assets from the Paul Pierce-Kevin Garnett trade with the Brooklyn Nets. And guess Nets. where those came then from? Then they used some of those assets <laughs> to get Kyrie. Now Kyrie may end up with the Nets. Unbelievable circle, Frank. It's amazing how it all, all works out. All right, all of Boston, led by Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy, is screaming foul today following the St. Louis Blues 2-1 win in Game 5. The decisive goal came seconds after the Blues' Tyler Bozak trip Noel Achari, who hit his head on the ice and was taken out of the play. Michael, the NHL refused to comment on what it says is a judgment call, while Cassidy called the officiating in the playoffs, quote, a black eye for the league. Michael, do the Bruins have a legitimate gripe here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, in live time, I, I was watching this last night, and it seemed like action had partially stopped. Yeah. Because people were expecting a whistle. Maybe it's so loud we couldn't hear a whistle, but there's got to be a whistle on that play, and it's got to be a tripping penalty. Period. The NHL can put its head in the sand stupidly and rather cowardly if it wants to. This is where I at least applaud the NBA. I know people say, wait a minute, you know, you're calling your refs out. You're calling out something that everyone can see with a television or a cell phone. They got hosed in that situation, Frank. And it seems like it should have been 1-1 and we'd have been going to overtime, which is sort of what I expected after the one nothing lead. Yes, the Bruins have reason to be upset. I love the reaction by Cam Neely, the Bruins president. He takes the water bottle, he slams it down. And and, and you know what they're upset about is after game three, Craig Berube of the uh, St. Louis Blues, their head coach, complained about how many penalties were called in that game. They asked him last night about the officials. He said, I'm not here to judge the officials, (laughs) which is exactly what (laughs) he he did after game three. So they caught caught a huge break. That play, when you watch the way that he fell, that's a penalty. And the referee is standing Right there. Looking right at him. And I'll tell you what, I don't think it's a black eye for the NHL, that just that call in particular, but if that had happened in a Game 7, because the Bruins still have a chance. Go on the road, they win do. a road game, then you force Game 7 back in your building. But how do you miss a call like that? It's right in well, front of Frank, everybody. They've been missing calls or getting them wrong the whole playoffs. I mean, this has been, the black eye is on the officiating period. And the NHL, just by saying we're not going to, you know, we're not going to sit in judgment of our own people publicly. They ought to, and they ought to get whatever's coming to the NHL in terms of public ridicule is fair and just, given what's and, happened over the course of the and, Stanley Cup. Playoffs. And by the way, Achari is in concussion protocol. He might not even be available now <laughs> for Game Six. Amazing. 
Let's take a break. But coming up, should the Eagles have waited before giving Carson Wentz $107 million in guarantees? And what should the Braves expect out of half a season of Dallas Keuchel? Finally signed. Waited a long time. Had a lot of time off. Yeah, it took a, it took a while for him and Kimbrough to be acknowledged. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Silly games today, Frank. On a busy news day, we got more headlines, starting with the Philadelphia Eagles, who've locked up their franchise quarterback, Carson Wentz, with a four-year extension worth $108 bucks guaranteed. Now, Wentz is 23-17 and 17 as a starter, but with zero playoff appearances and eight games missed over the last two seasons. The Eagles gave him Russell Wilson money anyway. So, Frank, are you sure this is the right decision Philly's making. I think you had to do that. Once you let Nick Foles go to Jacksonville, of course, you're going to sign Carson Wentz. He's only 26. My favorite stat is since they've drafted him, they have won four playoff games. It's not easy to win four playoff games, and that includes a Super Bowl. He didn't start any of those games. So they're, no. they're basically paying him for what they hope he can do. And if he can match what Nick Foles did, then it's obviously worth it. Well, see, I, I don't think this is the right decision necessarily because of Nick Franchise Foles. quarterback. I mean, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to before he left for Jacksonville. If you're the Philadelphia Eagles and you got a guy who has had this level of success in the playoffs, and we thought Foles was going to have another game uh, in there, we thought he was, then why do you necessarily have to put all your eggs in the Carson Wentz basket? I understand potential, but all this is doing is basically patting yourself on the back and saying, we're going to go with this guy who we have propped up and put up and installed as our, as our king, as our leader, as our franchise quarterback. When another guy got Philly a Super Bowl, I don't know if this is the right decision, Frank. He was a high pick. You traded up to get him. He's 23 and 17 as a star. He's 26 years old. And before he got hurt the first time, they had the best record in football. So the yeah, guy Foles is not 35. We're not talking I, about some I, washed up dude. When you draft someone that high, he's proven. Listen, the only thing he hasn't proven is in the postseason because he's been hurt. I think you have to make that investment in him. He ain't proven anything yet, and Foles did. So, I, you know, I never root for he's, Philly anyway. He's six games over 500 on. as a starter. All right, Rafael Nadal, straight sets win in the French Open. Semis improved his record against Roger Federer to 6-0 and at Roland Garros. Overall, Nadal leads the series 24-15, yet afterwards, the Spaniard was very magnanimous when he called Federer. Get ready for this, Michael. The greatest player in history. Yeah. Is Nadal right? You know what, Frank, it would be? Yeah, I wrestle with this one because there are a lot of indicators out there that say, yeah, Federer is the best player in history. But then he's 0-6 I know. at the French Open against Nadal. I mean, his peer, his whole, the whole run. And he's and, and the doll is fourteen and two on clay against Federer. I mean, I don't know what to say about this. I don't know if I want to go all the way back to Rod Laver, because I think that's the only person I feel truly comfortable putting in the category with Federer. I'm not gonna say Nadal because he hasn't mastered all the surfaces, although Nadal, um uh, Federer hasn't mastered clay, not nope. when it comes to Nadal. So I still struggle with this. What about you? Well, here's my thing. 
Federer has won once at the French Open, and he didn't have to beat Rafael Nadal. To do Nadal it. has right. won on uh, Federer's home turf, basically, which is Wimbledon, playing on the grass. He's won there twice, and he beat Roger there. Now, Roger has got more majors. He has 20 majors. Rafael has 17. By the way, Jokovic has 15. Jokovic so they're all closing, right closing there. Hard. That's, yeah. that's the hard thing is Nadal has dominated the series when they've played on clay. And he beat him at Wimbledon. Yeah. That's what makes it tough. And he has 20 yeah, majors. It, it, I tell you what, it's a small group. To me, we're talking about Federer and, again, Rod Laver. We're going back. I'm going back 50-plus years now. Most people can't even imagine. Rod Laver walked in their living room. They wouldn't even have in his prime. No. They wouldn't know who he is. But sorry, kiddies. Some of us are not going to forget about all-time greats who are all-time and, greats. And we never mentioned Sampras anymore. That's how good these three no, guys have been in this year. No, we did Sampras as well. Thank you for that, yeah. Frank. Let's move to baseball, though. And the end of Dallas Keuchel's free agency exile. The 2015 American League Cy Young winner has agreed to a one-year, $13 million deal with the Atlanta Braves. Now, Keiko was 12-11 and 11 last year in Houston, but brings a ton of experience to a young Braves staff. Frank, are you convinced this signing is a difference maker for the 33-29 and 29 Atlanta Braves? You know what? He gives them experience. Right now, they're two games back of Philly in the division. You know, it's funny. Everyone talked about the Yankees. The last time the Yankees lost a free agent pitcher, to the Braves, or lost out in a bidding war, was Greg Maddox went to the Braves. That's more than 25 years ago. I wonder if Keiko didn't want to shave his beard. Maybe that's why he didn't go to the Yankees. But the Braves, their, their starters, their last eight games, Michael, their ERA is over six a game. So they need that experience. Keiko can eat up innings. He's a ground ball pitcher. I think it was the right move to make. And as you know, the great Braves team from the 90s, they were built on pitching. That's Starting what they've always pitching. been about. And this is, a, this is a good move. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Frank. I think it's a good move. I just want to... To quote Tony, channel my inner Tony, go to the glasses. Um, the, the, 12 and 11, the 12 and 11 lies. And here's why it lies. Because in his final 20 starts last year, Dallas Keuchel was 3-2-3 ERA and 9-3 and since the middle of June. Aren't we approaching the middle of June? I mean, he's not going to have to have all that wear and tear on his arm from spring training, yep. April and May, right? So I, I, I think this is a really smart three, move by Atlanta. Three of the last five years, he's pitched at least 200 innings. Plus, he's pitched in October, which is important. To That's him. huge. Let's take one last break, but still to come. When can the Cubs expect to put their new pitcher, a closer, on the mound? And the Women's World Cup is underway. The first match played today. I'll give you my pick to win the whole thing. I just want to hear Julie Foudy break this down. I mean, I watched some of the original breakdown on the network, but Julie Foudy, to me, is the final word on all of this. Time to get happy, people. Happy 75th birthday, Cassie Russell, one of the long-forgotten great players in the history of college and pro basketball. He was the player of the year at Michigan, a member, a young one, of the first Knicks championship team in 1970, and he was dancing around the edges of a few other championship situations. And how about this note? The compensation for Russell leaving Golden State and signing with the Lakers, the first-round pick used to draft Robert Parrish, Frank. Not bad, but how do you not mention that he's a Chicago guy? Well, I, I was going to leave that to you. I'm glad you cleaned up my by, mess. By there. the way, Carver High School he went to. I guess Carver you didn't High know School. that. Carver High School. Oh, I am going well Happy anniversary, LeBron James, on this day seven years ago while playing for the Heat. LeBron delivered 45 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists in Boston 
in game six to save off elimination. Hard to remember now, but at this point, LeBron had zero titles and was on the brink of another failed season in Miami. At the time, this was the most important and greatest game of his career, Frank. You know, Michael, I had the privilege of being in the building that night. That was a brilliant performance. And you're right. He loses that game. That's two years in a row in Miami getting knocked out without a title. A lot of pressure on him in that game. Happy trails to Max Kepler's 0 for 21 streak. The Twins' leadoff man broke out of his mini slump by going 4 for 4 with three home runs against the Indians. Kepler's homers were his 13th, 14th, 15th of the season and pushed the Twins past the Mariners and back into the Major League lead with 117 home runs already. Think about this. He and Ted Williams, the only players in MLB history to have three home runs against the Indians and do it twice. Pretty impressive when you're in the same group with Ted nice Williams. Nice little bit of trivia. Bad. Nice little bit. No See? errors today, people. We are running out of show. Let's get to the big finish. The Yankees activated D.D. Gregorius eight months after his Tommy John surgery. Big deal, Frank? That's a huge deal. D.D. is a big leader for that team. Joe Madden says Greg Kimbrell could be ready in three weeks. Is that okay by you? I'm still worried. I mean, Stropey gave up a home run in the ninth today, but we did beat the Cardinals 3-1. I was hoping he'd be out there sooner. We need him, Frank. The Patriots received their Super Bowl rings last night, the largest ones ever. Are you <laughs> impressed with that? Well, they got to figure out new ways. They keep winning. They're going to run out of fingers eventually. All right, French Open <laughs> women's final. Ashley Barty versus Varkata Vondrasova. What do you got? Neither one has been to a slam final. Can I have a write-in candidate and just say Serena? Can I do that? Is that fair? She's out. Last one. I know you can break down the bracket. Women's World Cup kicked off today. Who do you have, Frank, winning it all? The host nation, France, was very good today. France, England, the U.S. Believe it or not, I think France is going to win. The back line of the U.S., a little shaky. All right, we're out of time. Thanks for watching. I'm Frank Isola. And I'm Mike Wilbon. Have a great weekend, knuckleheads. You can get the PTI podcast on the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.